Well, then I guess we can start. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, and today we have a very special guest here, uh, Mr. Zexy Lee. Um, Hi. Future president of Harvard Law Review. Nice, very nice joke, Henry. Well, uh, it, it might come off uh, a bit as of a sad news, but I, I just received my admission letter from Harvard and I can tell you that I have been rifted. But I guess this just shows that um, the application process in general for anything is really hard, but we'll uh, get through it in a bit. I hope everything else went okay, so. Of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a learning process for me as well, but uh, I hope I can share you know, the many tips I've gathered uh, throughout the years. Perfect. Well, then let's begin this our very special workshop uh, on CV, on LinkedIn, on resume. So uh, let's actually start off with the CV. I think a lot of students are struggling with the CV in general. Um, for example, I see a lot of CV, for example, mine in the past are very uh, simple and very unclear. So what are some good uh, characteristics of a good CV? Of course. Just before I get into the CV, I just want to outline the principle in any kinds of scenarios we're in, uh, especially in the corporate field um, or any kind of professional communication channel, you always want to get your point across as effectively and concisely as possible. And so just keep this in mind um, as you go through all the different parts of education. Um, so CV, there's uh, a lot of components. But to begin with, even before you start writing anything, anything about your application, read the job posting or the school, anything that gives you information about what you're applying to. Um, and really carefully, because you'll need to adapt every single elements of your pieces to the requirements they're asking. So this is definitely the first step. Now, I'm going to just really uh, fastly get into the basics. So the template, really simple. OK, I've seen a lot of CVs that have really clunky, really artistic templates. The more artistic it is, it doesn't necessarily mean it's better. You always need to adapt your template depending on what you're applying to, right? Uh, for example, if you're applying to uh, be a graphic designer, then yes, obviously it would be a more artistic one but definitely anything related with business finances um, anything that's formal just stick to the classic black and white and this works because then what matters is the content more than the template okay so simple clear concise and no flowery language just keep it simple keep it straight exactly and um if i may add just for the language you know, you want, you only have one page, well, for the case of students, one to two page to get, well, basically as most information as possible um, inside your CV, right? So you don't have spaces, you don't have that much space to waste, um, to babble around and uh, expand too much on something. You need to really maximize your, your space and word count. Okay, speaking of spacing, uh, what are the areas of a student that they should focus on? What should they devote the most amount of space to in their CV? Oh yeah, definitely. Well, uh, 
I mean, it, it, it seems a bit illogical. You know, it's a different kind of text. But the body, as always, the body is always the most important part. Um, your experiences, right? But even then, it depends what kind of experience you have. Um, as I said before, you always want to adapt your experiences to a person, right? So depending on whether your extracurricular activities, for example, uh, versus your professional experience, you have to weigh which one of those would be most relevant to the job posting you have or to the, you know, the spirit or the, the kind of program you're applying to at college. So yeah, for example, I can give you a brief uh, example. I've applied to, um, you know, a finance job, right? I wouldn't put and talk about necessarily my experience as uh, an executive of a mental health club. It, it, it might be more or less relevant to it, right? But then focus more on putting, you know, my experience as a Milo consultant at the top, my experience as a VP finance at the top of my CV, because you know, if you if you're doing a chronological one. I always want to put the most important information at the top. Okay, so depending on what you're applying for, you really, again, want to adapt your CV to the particular post that you're applying for or trying to get a job at, right? Exactly. Um, just note that uh, there's differences definitely between university applications and job applications. But for job applications, especially for student and low entry ones, they used a software called the ATS scanner. And this basically scans and screens for keywords for the position they're looking for, right? They have a thousand applicants. They don't have time to, to go over it, um, each and every single one of it. So they really find keywords. And this is why it's important to read the job posting. And I wouldn't say copy, but used as most vocabulary that's similar to the job posting as possible. Okay. Um, if they use ATS scanner on their end, is is this something students can use on their end? I, I mean, uh, there's definitely software that you can try it on online. Uh, I've personally never tried. I mean, as long as you adapt your CV to the general idea of it and uh, you've read the job posting, um, you shouldn't have uh, an excessive problem on that. But obviously, that doesn't mean either that you should only put words that's exclusively what's in the job posting, right? You still want to convey uh, a certain critical thinking um, and also put, you know, not too much, but a bit of your personality as well. Um, because in the end, uh, you know, you're not a robot, you still want to be personable. Um, and just letting you know that in the end, the application is all a game of perception, but we'll get, um, we'll get, we'll, we'll get back to it later. Okay. Understood. Um, and before we, we talk about ATS scanner, you talk about a, a CV using a chronological timeline. So could you expand a bit more on the different templates of a CV? So what what are the advantages or disadvantages to certain templates? For example, what are the advantages or disadvantages to a chronological template versus uh, another sort of template? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, usually there's two types of um, CVs. Uh, there's the chronological one, which is the most often used one and should be the one you use, except if you usually lack, say, experience, then there's these other types of CV. Um, I can't exactly call the name, um, but what I can tell you is that the other type of CV 
focuses more on your skills, um, what, what kind of skills you can offer versus maybe experience you've had in the past. Um, so uh, the only difference would be that you would focus more on, you know, describing the various skills you have. For example, if you say that you have great interpersonal skills, right? Then you would describe on it and, and talk about it expansively, um, given that you have less experience, right? Uh, but I have rarely seen types of CVs, and to be honest, usually ATS scanners don't recognize um, these kind of CVs, and even the hiring officers might get a bit disturbed um, and might not welcome this type of CV as much. Um, so, you know, you use it with caution. Um, now, uh, focusing more on the chronological one, a template, really simple. You know, you want to use, I, I would say, at least minimum 10 point as a font don't go too crazy on the font you know Arial, times moments anything that is pretty simple there's a an essential rule that someone once told me that you want to use one page for every 10 years of experience right so um, for any entry-level jobs as a student i would always recommend only one page and you usually structure it have well you want to put your name in big right it, it, it's your brand then, um, you know, all your relevant information, language, contacts, etc. Um, and you want to make sure to have a, a good sizing for the title, uh, well, the subtitles, right? And underneath, your first part would be kind of a bit of your thesis, right? Your thesis, like in any, any essays. Um, usually, it would involve a objective and a summary of qualifications but you know the one page cv it's a bit tight uh, so i would recommend choosing one or either of, of, of them now uh what i would recommend is use an objective if you don't if you don't plan to do a personal statement or they don't require it uh an objective you know is more of a um, three sentences that basically describe why you would be a good fit um and you know it's it's like an elevated pitch right uh, and versus the summary of qualifications, which is a bullet point, which basically reiterates and puts emphasis on the experience you want to highlight. Um, so it's even more recognizable for the ATS scanner or for any hiring officers that's reading over your CV. So that's the first part. Underneath, you would continue with your body. And at the bottom, that's when you finish off with you know, your skills, computer skills, and maybe your hobbies, right? It's, it's always important to keep a bit about yourself. Now, sometimes there's people, you know, that put columns on the sides. I would recommend it, actually. It, it depends on how you want to manage your, your spacing. But definitely uh, make sure to not have big blank spaces. I, I know there's there are some people that use, right, they, they dedicate an entire column just to put the date, for example, March 2019 to the present. But then it leaves an entire space, an entire rectangle underneath it blank. So you want to make sure to maximize your space as much as possible. Um, and last thing, you don't always need to include, you know, relevant competencies or skills. Like you know, um, I, I usually always omit talking about you know, public speaking, interpersonal skills, um, problem solving, right? These these are just vague words that you, know, you, you can't even support. So usually I would avoid them and just decide to include them maybe 
you know, inside your description of your activities. Okay, understood. Um, if mm -hmm. uh, so, what are some other mistakes that students should avoid avoid when doing their CV? For example, you talk about their skills being too ambiguous and being unprovable. Uh, what skills should then students present in their CV, and what are some other mistakes that they should avoid? Yeah, number one. Uh, no, I've, I've received some executive Haitians for clubs at Mary. Um, I've reviewed a lot of them. But don't tell the story of your life. Don't outline every single one of your activities on your CV. You just want to put the ones that are most relevant. To right. Uh, your pipe to VB communications. Put anything about art, design, presentation, public speaking, for example, uh, writing text, right? Um, and then second, you don't write sentences to describe your experience. You want to use the classical verb, and then you put your description. Something that's important about the description, start with a strong action verb. Avoid starting with have, do, work, right? Really general words uh, that don't, uh, you know, it, it, it's like a turnoff, right? You want to use words that carry meaning. For example, conduct operate, operationalize, lead, spearhead, etc. right? Um, and then include as much numbers as you can. Or if you can't, obviously there are always cases where you can, for example, if you coach, for example, then include solid evidence. Okay, so in your experience, really try to go to uh, the specific and not just go to the vague stuff and not let, let the employer know what you're saying with your cv and just throw your cv away inside the trash bin because they have so much to read exactly and um you know uh use your spacing judiciously won't if, if you put an and right in one of your descriptions separate it in two lines uh because they're two different tasks and lastly avoid anything that's about you know learned about perseverance resilience hard work or anything right um what you learned is going to be implied in your achievements, in your performance, and what you have accomplished for your past organization's past experience. Okay, understood. Now let's move on to personal statement and cover letter. So how are those different and how are they different from CV? For example, you said avoid your life lessons in your CV. Should we mention them in our personal statements? Mm, so, uh, good question. No, again, uh, really no, don't, don't, just don't. Um, and in, in any case, even in interview, you, you don't want to tell your life red. Um, you know, if you're applying to be a bank teller, um, don't stop, don't start talking about as a kid, how your parents uh, made you like mathematics or something. Um, you know, except if it's really compelling and really relevant to the next point you want to make, uh, don't waste your time. Um, you know, time is key in business uh, or, you know, any other professional setting. So um, personal cover letter, basically how it works. You want to tell at the beginning, well, kind of a kind of an objective. So why are you here? Then you describe and kind of prove why you're qualified for the job and you close with an action statement uh, which i'll get into it uh, a bit later on 
Okay, so um, first question, a general question, what are the difference between personal statement and cover letter? Are they the same or are they different? Yes. So um, personal statement, uh, usually it's more for university applications. Um, and, and this can have a more of a personal touch, you know, a, a, tell about a story of yourself, uh, definitely. Um, you could do that for university applications. But for anything that's job-related, um, you know, stick to the essential cover letter. Um, and don't call it letter of intent. Uh, I know in French it's called uh, lettre de motivation. But in English, it's totally a different thing. It's usually used in contracts, uh, especially when you're discussing mergers and acquisitions. Okay, understood. So personal statements more for university applications and for job application that stick to cover letters and not letters of intent. Yes, that's right. Okay, perfect. Then what should we show in our cover letter to uh, attract the interest of an employer? Yes. Um, so I'm just going to run through quickly about uh, the steps you should definitely take. Step one, do your research. You know, do your research on the company, check out their values, etc. Um, and you want to make sure to include bits or elements of it inside your cover letter. And your research will also help you tailor your letter as much as possible to you know, the company's culture and show that you're the right fit for being part of their team. And step two would be to reevaluate yourself. So who you are, what are your interests. This is really crucial because I, I've known a lot of people that just keep the same CV or cover letter and just throw it off to like a thousand, thousand job openings. Um, but you know, the game of application in the end is to find the right match between both the employer and the organization. If you get a refusal, then that simply means that maybe, maybe you are qualified, but you're just not the right fit for the organization, right? Um, so want to make sure to review any qualities, uh, any qualities about yourself that you want to highlight, um, and again, highlight and present the qualities that are the most relevant, you know, to to what you're applying for. Uh, step three. Well, this is when you start writing it, and you definitely incorporate both a, a bit of your interests, but more so, you want to talk and focus more on what you can contribute to the employer. Because in the end, it's a power relationship, right? They have control over who they want to admit, who they want to include in their team. And so you want to make sure you can be a valuable addition to their atmosphere. And lastly, step four is, you know, to write your letter, check proof it, and make sure, you know, your sentences don't go, I would recommend usually not going over you know, 12 to 15 words maximum for a sentence. Okay, understood. So simple sentence, keep it clear. And regarding the structure and your uh, your skills, what do you, you will bring to the employer? Should we also use uh, concrete specific examples as we did in our CV or should we make it more broad because we don't have so much space? Oh yeah, 100%. Um, you, you want to be a, a mix of both, right? Uh, it's like any essays you've written, any paragraph structure, have your topic sentence, you have your proof, 
Well, your topic sentence is basically, you know, your spread. You want to say your interpersonal skills, for example. Your proof is, well, um, I've been part of Milo and I've been consulting for two years. I've recommended XXX businesses. And basically your conclusion is, you know, the follow up. So um, what you can contribute is So, you know, um, my experience shows that uh, as a consultant, I'll be able to um, to, to, to actively uh, market uh, our service, uh, our services to the clients at Samsung, for example, if you're flying to Samsung. Okay, so stick. So it's basically like an English essay. You start with a topic sentence. You start with um, your supporting points. You give your examples, and then you conclude and you sum up to how your experience and your skills will benefit the employer. A bit, yes. And, and if I may add, um, you know, you always want it to be structured in any text you're writing so it's clear to your reader, um, except if it's obviously for creative purposes. Um, but one thing that I forgot to mention, actually, um, right, when you read the job post, there's usually two parts of it. One part is called the job qualifications and uh, you know, job requirements. Uh, and the second part is, well, the tasks, right? Your responsibilities. Uh, responsibilities, right? What you're going to do for the job. For example, um, take those meetings and send them to the administration. So you want to tackle this part of responsibilities in your CD. This is the part that, you know, you want to, to match threads with in the ATS scanner, um, you know, or show that your past experiences reflect your ability to accomplish these responsibilities in your CV. But your personal statement, you want to focus more on the job qualifications and requirements. For example, if they ask for strong communication skills, well, that's where you want to highlight your personal statement. Um, and that's where you kind of expand on your past experience and show concretely how you hold these skills and how you can benefit the business. Okay, understood. Uh, so just to clarify, you said personal statement, but we meant cover letters, right? Uh, yes, uh, yes, yeah. cover letter. Apologize, you're right. Uh, see, you're um, you're, you're arguing better than me. Uh, that's great. Uh, no. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm sure I have I have a long way to go. Then let's move on to our next point. Um, you submitted your application, your, you did your CV, you did your cover letter, you adapted to the organization you're applying to, and they invited you to an interview. So how should we prepare as a student? How should we prepare to an, uh, to an interview with an employer? Yes, definitely. Again, uh, same steps as your personal statement. Research, review about yourself, and then next up, you want to race. Um, you know, some people think that it might appear as unnatural, uh, but it's not true. Um, rehearsing doesn't mean it's uh, unnatural and it, it can actually help you. Um, the worst thing that can happen is you come to your interview and you blank out. You don't know what to say and you leave a dead silence. Uh, and this is the worst that could happen in your interview. So you always want to prepare, um, and I would say, you know, you obviously can't cover all the cases in the world, and obviously the employer also knows that, but specifically prepare about the general questions 
you know, that you can't really receive. Uh, you know, any questions I can find online are generally the questions that you want to prepare for. Tell me about yourself, um, weaknesses, strengths, uh, why you're interested in your organization, what do you think you'll become in five to ten years, etc. Okay, so those are the general questions. And um, for example, in the interviews that uh, I have uh, been invited to, such as the one for Milo, uh, you have asked a lot of uh, behavioral questions or performance questions. How should the students answer these types of questions and what they should pay attention to when ask these type of questions? Yeah, that's a great, uh, great question, Henry. I've seen you've done your research, so that already shows your step ahead of the game. Um, well, many of you probably heard it from Delorme, uh, someone I really, I really enjoyed. I actually really enjoyed him as a teacher. Uh, probably heard it from Mr. Delorme, but using the started is always the way to go to answer to these type of questions. Um, you know, situation was the, the case describe a bit about, give it a short background of the event. Task, I believe. So what you had to do, um, a for either, I believe it's action, so what actions you took uh, to solve the issue, and results, you know, what you accomplished. Um, and something that's important, uh, any questions you're answering, you don't want to go over a minute 30. And I'm just going to repeat it for the sake of it. Don't go over a minute 30 or two minutes. Two minutes is the grand maximum I will ever allow you. Or come to your place and strangle you. No, I'm kidding. But you will probably well, lose your employer's attention uh, if you go over that time span because, um, you know, humans, we're, we have a usually limited ability to, to focus. Um, so again, you know, what can help you, especially when you reviews, avoid repetition, keep a simple language, and avoid maybe sharing too much about emotions. Uh, now, sorry, I, I deviated a bit from your question, which is a mistake you shouldn't do in, in, in an interview, actually. Um, so here, I did it for you, but you shouldn't do it. Um, so to, to answer your question about the behavioral questions, the only thing you can do for them is recall past experiences in any of the experiences you've outlined in your CV and kind of use them as, uh, you know, you adapt your star method and that's when you pull off your, your bag, your toolkits uh, to answer these questions. Okay, so no more than two minutes per question in for 130 nope. and then use the star yep. method, which is situation, task, action, result. Exactly. Perfect. And prepare your toolkit bag, yes. Yeah, and prepare for the general question you will find on the internet. Yes. Definitely. So, okay, so that's it for the interview. You are sent home, and uh, perhaps you got a job, perhaps you didn't get a job, but now interview is over. So let's look at something more uh, on the background side, more on the back end. So let's look at LinkedIn. For for me personally, LinkedIn is very daunting. I don't understand it. What is it? Yeah. Briefly, LinkedIn is the hub for anything related with work and mostly a hub, uh, actually an essential tool in 21st century to get connections, to 
get recognized, and it's the perfect place to market yourself as um, you know, a personable, uh, you know, worker or a personable person um, whom someone would want to work with. So that would be the general description at LinkedIn. And um, so how should a student, especially a student, because if you're in the workplace, it would be a bit easier to build connections. How can a student build connections? Well, it, I mean, it's simple. Um, you can already reach out to all the connections right now. Uh, if you want to expand your contacts, there are various uh, ways. Obviously, you know, attend as much events as you can, conferences, etc. Um, always great places to connect. Then uh, you can all can always um, you know direct message a, a bunch of people through through LinkedIn as well. Um, I would try and refrain from doing so uh, sometimes, especially with uh, strangers, because you know often the ones who risk DMs. They often receive, you know, um, DMs from spammers or uh, business, some strange business opportunities some people are offering. Um, but definitely, you can direct message connections who you're reaching out to, who you're familiar with, who you know from school, or, you know, some alumni from the school. Um, and yeah, always again, anything about connections is just, you know, you know taking the first step. And taking the first step is the key for anything that's um, great, getting to know new people. Yeah, and, and advice for students in first year, especially coming from the pandemic and don't know much people, um, workshops um, and extracurricular activities are really helpful for building connections. I attest to that. So if you get the chance to attend more workshop and networking sessions, they are very helpful for building connections whether on LinkedIn or physical connection for people you want to know in the future. Of course, of course. And uh, just before we close things off or anything, I'm going to share a link to, to actually you all at Adentum. Uh, well, shared by us generously by Mr. Burden, who is a professor at Marinopolis College um, on business communications. And he made a, a, a LinkedIn post about how to build your LinkedIn, basically. So you can skim through his entire article and find all the tips and tricks to build the most effective and appealing LinkedIn profile. I know I definitely will be reading that because I want to build my LinkedIn and I hope the students will be reading it too because as we said, it's very important, this tool in the 21st century. And um, before we conclude, uh, Zexy says you have a lot of uh, experience doing applications. Uh, let's keep it to the work side. So uh, what are you, some of your personal experiences and mistakes that you have made or some successes that you have had in applications and interviews? Yeah, um, something I can already tell you right off. Uh, you, you'll definitely get a lot more failures uh, at the beginning than successes. And I can attest to that for having you know, applied to more than 50, 50 jobs, I believe, and only gotten back or two interviews that weren't uh, successful neither. Um, so biggest mistakes. Um, once, actually, sure, when I was applying to the job of bank teller, uh, you know, it, it's a job that requires, you know, you to be concise, uh, you to be uh, you know, someone who can promote well the services, right, without losing your, your audience. 
Um, well, I actually lost my audience right off the right off the bat at the interview when they asked me to tell me a bit about yourself, and you know, I rehearsed it like so much. Uh, but it actually lasted five minutes, which was terrible. And they actually had to call me off in the middle of my speech, which usually doesn't tell you a, a great start. Now, something else that people should avoid in interviews is jumping off, right off, answering a question without even thinking about it. You know, sometimes people feel like it's impolite to ask for more time, but it's definitely not. You know, just be polite. And it's actually better to ask for more time if it can help you provide a better answer afterwards. So, you know, don't add more than 30 seconds to, to, to one minute. Um, and yeah, uh, you can simply think about it. Okay, I, I guess those are really valuable lessons for students who are listening to this episode, I hope they will learn from your mistakes and if I may share some of mine it's um do your research before applying to any job do your research it's it's really important actually people underestimate how important research is so that's what I want to emphasize for that's awesome to hear Henry and um you know uh for having talking for having talked to you for the past 30 minutes I can already that you know you're a really fast learner and you've you've caught on a lot of things and, and I hope that's that's the same for all of you listening to this podcast. Yeah, so thank you, listener, for learning with me because I'm also a new at this. Um, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your wonderful day. Just before we close off, uh, if I may add a follow-up, um, you know, I think it's actually relevant because you always want to follow up in any kind of application you're doing, especially after interviews. We'll simply send a message saying time for the time and you can always reiterate any parts of the conversation that you felt were relevant and you wanted to highlight. Um, so I guess uh, on my end, I want to, to, to simply close off by saying, uh, you know, it's all a game of strategy tact, um, how you can present yourself as best as possible to the organization you're applying to. But, but you know, in the end, the application process is you can optimize it as much as you want but you know we live in a, a society that really focuses a lot on interpersonal relations right interpersonal uh, interactions between people and so all these tips and tricks are useful but the most useful of all of them is actually not anything that i've mentioned it's actually just leveraging your connections and asking politely or, or showing your interest to your connections, to you know your, your relatives or to professional connections you have that you know you're looking for for a job. And referrals are the most effective way to get you any kind of you know opportunities, jobs, you wouldn't. And so definitely, definitely, uh, you know, if you can use that route to right at the beginning, I would re- 100% recommend going that that way. You know, I probably didn't convey it enough, but I'm someone who really condemned applications. It's really, you know, dehumanizing. It's a really, really long and serious process. But, um, you know, in the end, you don't always need to be an employee and uh, follow your passion. So I'm wishing you the best for uh, all your applications. And uh, you too, Henry, wishing you the best for the summer and any other applications, dreadful applications you want to do in the near future. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I do know applications are quite dreadful to do, especially the the job one, university ones. Yeah. Thank you, Sexy, for coming on to the show. It's been wonderful. And um, thank you, listeners, for listening and learning with me. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your wonderful day. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to listen. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we did during the interview. If you liked this episode, learned something, or just want to help out a bunch of students, please leave a review, write a comment, and share this on social media. If you are listening to this on YouTube, please subscribe and write to us in the comments. All the books and other resources recommended by the interviewee are in the podcast description slash video description depending on your platform. And depending on when you see this, you might be able to use our affiliate link to purchase them. The Marianopolis Addendum podcast is actively seeking local sponsors here in Montreal. So if you are interested, please contact us at the email linked in the description. All the profit generated by this podcast will go back to fund our club's activity. If we have any surplus, they will be donated at the end of every month to a local charity. This episode was edited by Jessica. And the artwork is done by Camilla Huang. The producers and guests associated with this episode may express their opinion, but this podcast does not support any political parties. We only aim to bring different perspectives on different issues through the free exchange of opinions and ideas. We look forward to seeing you at our next broadcast. Cheers!